Hey guys, this is Jake Blum. Welcome to our show, Quakers and Makers, the very first podcast dedicated to finding the best and brightest UPenn alumni around the country. We're going to hear their stories, successes, failures, and most importantly, the lessons they learned along the way. Without further ado, let's start the show. All right. Hi, everyone. I'm excited to be here today with Lenore Cantor, President and Chief Growth Officer at Growth Warrior. Hi, Lenore. How are you doing today? Good. How are you? Thanks for uh, inviting me to join you. Yeah, no, thanks for coming on the show. We're excited to have you on uh, Quakers and Makers. And kind of a fun question that I usually like to start with is, we all went to Penn and we all have our unique experiences and memories. What's something a memory or an experience that really stands out to you from, from your time at Penn? Oh my gosh, I'm not going to remember the name of the restaurant, but there used to be a place right on Locust Walk that okay. had outdoor seating. And it was like sort of, I don't want to say loungy because that's really an exaggeration, <laughs> but it was like the hangout. I don't even know if it's still there because I did go back for my reunion and I was like, oh, where did it go? So I don't remember if it's still there. But I just remember on beautiful spring days, my friends and I, we would like sit out there and, you know, schmooze and essentially check out everyone walking down Locust Walk. And, you know, it was like the scene. Yeah. So I think that that was certainly one of my highlights because it was right in the middle of campus and it was just fun to socialize with people. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if I remember that when I was there. So I graduated in 2012 and I... I don't recall a specific place like that, but obviously, I uh, certainly remember the magic of Locust Walk and walking and hanging out with friends on there. So for those that don't know, could you share with us a little bit about your business, you know, Growth Warrior and how that came about? I'd love to hear your story. Sure. I am a growth and leadership coach, and my background is I spent over 20 years in the corporate world as a product marketing, product management and marketing executive in a variety of financial technology companies. And while I loved the work that I was doing, I really enjoyed working with high growth businesses and a company I had been at, I had helped to take public. Six months later, they were acquired by a much larger entity. And after staying for a year, I realized, wow, this is the time for me to go out and do my own thing. So I had that moment of reckoning and decided it was time to take the leap. And so what I've been doing for the last six years is I work with both organizations and individuals in three main areas, people who are launching or starting something new, people who are trying to refine what they're already doing. So it may be that they're basically trying to scale or grow their business or really take it to the next level. Or professionally, they've reached a certain stage in their career and they're trying to grow to the next stage. And then the third area is people who are pivoting or organizations that are shifting. So they could be entering new markets, changing their industry, changing their client focus. And in light of everything that's going on with COVID right now, that's an area that's really growing. Like people are having to rethink so many aspects of what they're doing. So that's really where I work with people. And I would say that my expertise is really around helping people get clarity on the vision. Like for me, that's a really big deal. What is it that you want to create and sort of like having that big idea, if you will, or something that you're really excited about, but then how do you make it happen? 
So developing the strategy, coming up with the action plan, and bringing it to life. That's a wonderful story. And I really credit you for making that leap, right, from working in the corporate world to starting your own thing. I know that's a scary thing for a lot of people is they want to do something, but they're scared. So how did you, were you scared? I mean, you said it pretty nonchalantly, like, yeah, I just decided that it was time for me to do this. Like, well, okay. so, so truth be told, like everyone else in my family had their own business. They were, as you can imagine, doctors, lawyers, professionals, everyone else sure. doing their own thing. How I ended up in the corporate world is actually quite a mystery to me, but somehow that's where I landed. And there was something very nice about a steady paycheck. Don't get me wrong. Like it's a good gig if you can get it. And I think I had always wanted to have my own business, but I didn't really feel like I knew what I would do. And I wasn't actually sure if I had the makeup or the constitution for it. But I think after I had had a lot of experience and I really realized that I was, I like to use the term like craving, like I was really ready for something new. I needed to do things differently. I actually worked with a career coach to even do this assessment, like do I have what it takes to be an entrepreneur because I wasn't sure. And after this battery of tests came back, she's like, yeah, I think you could be an entrepreneur. (laughs) There was like a lot of fear and I see this actually a lot in my clients, like people are really afraid to take the leap and that fear takes so many different forms. So I totally relate to that. But ultimately, I decided I need to do this because if I don't take this risk, I'm actually always going to regret it. And I don't want that. And if it happens that I don't love it, I can actually go back to doing what I was doing. And in fact, periodically those opportunities present themselves and I assess, well, do I want to go back and do what I did or do I want to keep doing what I've been doing? And so I think nowadays there's going to be a lot more fluidity in how people can define what it is they do. I really believe that many of us are multi-passionate, just like you started this podcast. That's not your day job, right? (laughs) So it was something that you were interested in and you wanted to cultivate and develop. So for the same reason, look, I think there are a lot of risks to doing your own thing. And it does take a certain mindset and a willingness to be comfortable being uncomfortable and not knowing. But once you kind of take that leap, Hopefully, if it works for you, you can go with it. I know for a lot of people, it's not a fit. Like I remember specifically when I decided to go out, my focus was actually initially consulting. I wanted to act as an outsourced marketing officer. And I still do that to some degree, but I'm doing more and more of the business coaching work. But I remember there were folks that ended up becoming consultants by default but not by choice. And I think that that can make a difference is if you are doing something that you don't really want to be doing, I'm sure it can be a struggle, but if you're choosing to do it and you commit to it, you know, I think you have a better chance of being successful at it. And if you build your business really in alignment with 
your values, your strengths, the needs that clients have. I think that's kind of the recipe for success. Yeah. There's so much good advice and information in what you just shared. And something that was running through my mind is that your primary business is kind of helping people to have this vision and to execute on it. And that's really how you started your business, right? You had this vision. So how, when you were starting, did you map out, this is exactly what I want to do. And these are the steps I'm going to take to get there. Ah, uh, if only it were that easy. I, I make it really easy for anybody else to do it, but doing it for yourself is not the same thing. You know, I think it starts with an idea. Like I had this sense of what I wanted to do. And I was very fortunate in that I'd been at my company for a while. So when I made the decision, I'm going to go out on my own. I gave my organization three months notice. I helped to find my replacement. And so I had a three month period where I basically built out my brand, my messaging, my website, and all of those things. I think there are many different ways to start your own business. And my path was just one approach. If I had to do it again, would I have done it differently? Maybe. Like I know there are people, it's funny, I talk about this a lot. I'm helping a lot of folks launch their side hustle because it's actually a thing now. You know, a lot of people want to have multiple income streams, pursue their interests or hobbies. And so this is really an area that people have an incredible interest in. So if I were to do it again, it might have been great if I had like lined up a bunch of clients and then when I took the leap, had this like wonderful safety net. I mean, I was fortunate in that I did have savings and that certainly helped. For some people, there are lots of financial challenges and they have to make it work. And I think everyone's path is kind of unique and different depending on where they're at and what it is that their specific situation is. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense in that it's not a one size fits all model. And certainly when you're doing the work on yourself, there's just all this other emotion that comes with it. And sometimes it's hard to see the forest through the trees and, you know, kind of speaks to the point of working with someone like you, who's able to, as you mentioned, help people really clarify what it is that they want to do and help them to come up with a game plan on how to execute that. I'll just give you an example. Yeah, please. You know, I've worked with a lot of startup founders and I honestly do not believe there is like one solution. I mean, people may say, oh, well, there's one right way to do that. And if someone tells you that, I would say one. Obviously, there are certain playbooks that we can follow that can help us increase our likelihood of success. But one of those, like for example, many maybe people may be familiar with the lean startup methodology where you try something, you experiment, you get feedback, hopefully you get paying customers, and then you adapt to that and you develop this minimal viable product. So sure. that's a great approach. But like I have talked with founders that get like hung up in this, well, I got to do this and I have to raise this money and I should go after financial services because that's a really profitable market. And I know I'm going to make big money if I do that. Sure. And then as we start talking, we'll uncover well, I really don't know anything about financial services. <laughs> I really like I'm interested in healthcare and wellness and did it. And so I'm like, then what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you gotta focus on what you care about, what you know, where you can add that. So 
I think it's just so easy to get caught up in comparing ourselves to what other people are doing and sort of trying to listen to other people's advice about what we should do without really getting clear on what's the right path for us. Yeah. I think that's also really sound advice and just allowing people to take a step back and really think through what they're hoping to accomplish before just kind of going at it hazardly. And something that I think anyone who's started to or tried to start their own business or do their own thing is that there's these hurdles or challenges that they face. And so what are some specific hurdles or challenges that you faced throughout your career that you had to overcome and how did you overcome them? I think that challenge of trying to, I don't want to call it make other people happy, but letting other people's input and perspective color how I choose to act has been something that I've grappled with. I've worked with business coaches. And as I said, I came out of the corporate world. So I had a certain MO and way of operating. And what I discovered is that When you're creating your own business, depending on what the business is, but for me, it became clear that I needed to really be more in alignment with what was my values, my style, my way of doing things, which was actually quite different than a lot of other people. And I was doing myself a disservice when I was comparing myself to the way other people who were seemingly doing similar things had chosen to set up their business. So like at the time when I left the corporate world, I actually had a few other peers, people that were doing very similar things to me, who I knew like for years we've been in the same industry and the way they chose to structure their business was really different than how I chose to structure mine. And I remember thinking, oh, God, should I have like done it that way? And it was like, no, this is what I want to do. And I have to figure out my path, which is different than their path. And I think everything that you do comes with pros and cons. So, for example, I did this on my own. There are folks I know who have taken partners and co-founders. and it would have been like really great to have someone else as like a sounding board to kind of like, I was not a natural salesperson. I'm just going to tell it to you straight. I was a marketer. That's a different skill set. And learning how to sell yourself is really something that trial by fire, you got to get that one right. And so it would have been really great if I had had someone else who could do the business development and things like that. So I think the biggest challenge for me, I would say, is I really hoped I was going to get to do more of what I love to do. And I think I'm at a point now where I'm doing that. But when I started, when you own your own business, not only are you the CEO, you're the chief revenue officer, the chief technology officer, the chief administrative officer, the chief operator, like you have to do it all or you have to hire people to do it for you. So that's kind of the biggest challenge is figuring out what is it that you're really good at and that you want to do. And then for the stuff that you really don't like and you don't want to do, like, how are you going to handle that? Are you going to do it 
learn how to do it? Or are you going to hire people that are going to do it for you? And how are you going to manage those processes? So that's definitely a big learning curve. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense in terms of really trying to, again, understand your strengths and your weaknesses. And when you're starting a business, right, you have these decisions to make, right? Do I want to do this on my own? Or do I want to outsource this to someone else? And there's this fine balance of managing that and cash flow and all the other things that go into running a business. Something else that I always find really fascinating is that people typically have who start their own business have one or two habits that have usually allowed them or been to their benefit to starting their own business. And they usually have one or two habits that they wish that they could kick. (laughs) So what are the habits that you think have been a part of your success? And what are the one or two habits that you are still hoping to kick? You know, I think one of the most important habits is building relationships with the right people, having the right team to support you. So business coach, mentors, strategic partners, or folks who refer you um, and building relationships. So I think that's something that I keep coming back to is who do I want to collaborate with? So that has been really important for me. And again, making the right decisions about where I invest my time and my money, because I think When I came out of the corporate world, I was used to making bigger investments. And when you run your own business, being wiser financially can actually save you money in the long term because bootstrapping is a good way to go. So I think I would have potentially spent more time really doing the strategy and sort of trying to figure things out for myself rather than always looking for someone to give me the answers. But at the same time, there were things that I really struggled with trying to figure out on my own where I could have just found the person with that expertise and they would have sort of speeded my learning curve. So yeah, and I think it's also just figuring out how to structure your day, particularly now in light of this whole work from home situation. So I used to have like a a very structured schedule to my day. And now I find it's a little unstructured or less structured. And in some ways that's been like an asset. I let my work, I work in the way that makes the most sense for me rather than forcing myself to work within certain constraints that have been defined. So I think a lot of them, As with those classic interview questions, what's a strength and what's a weakness? You know, like they're often both. There's both sides to everything. Things are not always as black and white as they seem. So we're coming up on our time here, but I guess my last question for you would be, you know, if you had to say something to someone just starting out in their career, perhaps a Penn graduate who just graduated and is entering this world, what piece of advice would you give them? Yeah, I think I'm going to just echo some of the things that I shared earlier, which is know yourself to the extent that you really can get clear on what you care about. So those are your values, what you're good at, those are your strengths. And I think what can often happen is people underestimate what their true talents are because they take them for granted. So I think it's important to know what do you do well, and it may not be something that you value, but if other people value it, it's an asset. And then to sort of 
get clear on your longer term vision for what you want to create and know that, okay, it might take you 10 years or 20 years to get there, but what is it that you want to move towards? And the more closely you can find something that really is a fit with all those things that you care about and bring to the table, you have a likelihood of being happier. That being said, I want to give this caveat in the era of COVID. We are in a very challenging and difficult situation. So I just want to say to you, whatever job you get, you're going to learn from it. So don't worry. Just go for whatever is available and make it work. I love that Tim Gunn expression. Make it work. Whatever you do, you are going to learn from it and get value. So the truth is it actually doesn't matter. And in fact, sometimes the worst experiences that you have can be the most meaningful because you realize, man, I hate that. I never want to do that again. And that is amazing information. So the other thing that you can discover is you end up in a job that you're just doing to pay the bills, but you're really good at it. Well, you know what? That can actually turn into a livelihood over time. So I would say for me, you don't know what is going to turn into what. My career path is a little winding road, but as I got more experiences and saw what I was good at and what I was interested in, it sort of evolved over time and kept building on each other, um, all of the different types of exposure I had. So what I would say is there's no one path. It doesn't matter what you do. If you take time off, that's awesome too. Whatever you're doing, just try and learn and make the most from it. And I think it will serve you well in the future. Great. Well, I think that's a great note to wrap up on. Thanks again for your time. This podcast has been brought to you by me, Jake Blum, a fellow UPenn alum and financial advisor. Until next time, be well. We'll see you then.